Hi, welcome back to the Connecting Minds podcast. Christian Yordanov here. Thank you for tuning in. Today I have a special guest on the podcast, Al from forumborealis.net. Um, Al is a very intelligent but also very wise man. As you will see, we cover a bunch of interesting topics. Uh, he has a lot of esoteric knowledge and I highly encourage you to check out Forum Borealis. If you like any of the topics we cover here on, on Connecting Minds, you're absolutely, absolutely going to love his show. He delves deeper into a lot of these, including things like history, philosophy, psychology, science, politics. So really amazing people have graced his podcast, researchers, scholars, free thinkers, authors. And I'll just let the conversation speak for itself. We're definitely definitely going to have Al back on the show soon to cover some more topics in greater depth. Again, he's a treasure trove of knowledge and this was an absolute pleasure. Really lovely guy and uh, I hope you enjoy this interview with Al. Al, thanks for coming on to Connecting Minds, brother. Happy to be on. For the listeners, can you tell us a little bit about how did you get into the esoteric subjects that you discuss on your podcast forum borealis it happened uh, when i was a teenager and uh, uh, my city in norway uh, called bergen uh, in english bergen uh, has always been the, like the occult capital of norway <laughs> So it was just organically because in the in the circles uh, I, I I frequented like uh, what uh, what's called a liberal arts like like uh, circles of musicians, artists, theater people. Um, uh, yeah, when I was a student, so I, I was like uh, in in those kind of uh, circles and. Uh, there was many, many spiritual people and, uh, you know, into different things. So uh, I think the first group I joined, because I, I checked out many groups, was the Rosicrucians. We talked about this right before we start, uh, went on. So I think that it was actually incidental, but I was uh, nonetheless, I mean, that's the, uh, that's the sociology of things. You also have the inner seeking. That's what matters, right? Mm -hmm. That you have a... a yearning for a more total experience of life than what you're tricked to believe is the game and that i've had since i was a child since i i became aware despite my parents being complete agnostics and i think i prefer that actually let's say they were fundamental christians i would then have the problem that so many have that before I can free my mind and choose openly what's actually appealing to my soul, then I would have to take this traumatic uh, confrontation or breakup with, for example, a Satan figure, right? Because everything else, if you don't believe in this sect, it's Satan. Yeah, yeah. These people, people who are, and Norway have many Puritan Christians. Most of those people, when they grow up, if they are not completely um, docile, they become skeptics. They become materialists and skeptics. Mm. And they completely, uh, they, they only change colors. 
They only change the flag. The mechanism, the way of thinking, the sectarianism, the fundamentalism, the black-white thinking, they completely keep and they don't see it. They don't see, they have this literalism understanding. You said you listened to my conversation with Peak, Anthony Peak. Mm. You need metaphor. You need the ability to understand by analogy, not just analysis, but also analogy. And uh, these people ha are just like Islam fundamentalists, Muslim fundamental, uh, uh, Christian fundamentalism, Jewish fundamentalism, all sorts of fundamentalists. Or they have very infantile mind. They may have very good developed uh, the intellectual capacity, the capacity to store information, the capacity to plodder, to, to memorize Uh, factoids mm -hmm. but their understanding their comprehension is very limited and I've been suffering those fools all my life so my my greatest beef when it comes to the battle of or exchange of ideas are, are fundamentalist materialists who at least in Norway are all ex uh, fundamentalist Christians so I found I you you see this often. Someone is v very deep into Christianity when they grow up. What, what the example you gave is you know something that yes happens quite a lot, and what I've also noticed at least with one person, but I know it happens a lot, um, is they go from Christianity to New Age. Yeah, they just go also, a little yeah. bit too crazy into it. Now we're suddenly all gonna send it to five D in the next five years. And all our problems are an illusion. All of these problems in the physical plane don't exist. And what, what kind of what, what? How do you? If you let's say you met someone and like, I know, I know. In was it in the Bible? I think Jesus is said to have said, uh, "Do not cast your pearls before the swine, because they just trample them or whatever." And do not throw throw rose. Do not make a bed of roses for for donkeys. <laughs> so I, I guess the older I get, the more I hold my tongue and pick my battles. But there are certain people that I meet that I like that I, I sometimes I feel like maybe they're a little bit on the wrong track. But with a little bit of you know a a, a friendly sort of a sentence that it could plant a seed that could maybe help them veer onto what at least I believe is the right track, which is definitely not materialism. So if you find someone like an atheist materialist that you like, uh, how would you approach the, the let's call it the problem of helping that person, you know, go beyond just the material and there is no God and oh when I die that's it and you know I'm I am a speck of dust in an infinite universe because of a big bang that we you know is just a, as much of a theory as anything else yeah that is a very very clever question very good question uh, let me first say those who who become new agers who are ex-christians I mean, how Christian were they? I mean, maybe they, they, it's just the the tradition, the family. But 
they tend to be more on the emotional polarist side. If they're more intellectually polarized, they usually become skeptics. That's that's like, I, I, like a trend and pattern I've seen. So it's true. Some some go for the new age. Some go for the because that's what they're presented. That's what they think their options are. Some may maybe go even deeper into a committed path, which I believe in a tradition. If you're really going to get somewhere, you can't just dance around a mountain sniff some flowers here and then go back and then sniff some else further along. You have to commit to a path if you want to reach the top of the mountain. Of course, there's a million paths, right? It's a big mountain. So find the path that you like. If, if, you, if you're in a hurry, if you don't mind heights, there may some path. If you, if you like, like take it slow and take many breaks on the way, the, there's probably a path for that. So, and the higher you get in the mountain, the more these different differences dwindle away. And eventually it's just four ways, north, east, south, west, before you're at the top. So the higher up you go, the more, the differences are biggest at the bottom. The higher up you go, the more similarities. But uh, I haven't even touched your question yet. So so that's that. I love that uh, analogy. Sorry, just to say. Yeah. I love that analogy. I have to remember that. It's an archetype. Plotin mm. uh, 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 had a book uh, he wrote called Return to the One, which uh, kind of goes deeper into, into those ideas that I laid out there. But, uh, you know... I used to believe that uh, you can convince people. Uh, that that's that's the first error. That's that's the Judeo-Christian Islamic culture where they believe that if you can just convert people, you have to force your ideas on them. It does not work. Then you can say, yeah, but how come Christianity and Islam are the biggest? Religions, they, they they practice. The Jews do not practice that. Actually, they say we don't want any members. They do like the, <laughs> very clever. That's how you get members. Yeah. That's how you get members. Yeah, yeah. Groucho Marx says, "I don't want to belong to a club that yeah. owns me." <laughs> Gurdjieff, uh, he demonstrated this principle. I'll, I'll I'll tell you a story about Gurdjieff, but I'll first go come to the point. If you think about it, neither Islam nor Christianity spread by con uh, conversion they spread by force they use this word so when you have a few generations and uh, people have no choice eventually bam you have it right so uh, no it doesn't really work uh, uh, works on desperate people etc poor people people with no uh, people who join for other reasons than the ideas who would have joined anything that's around them. But if, if you're talking like um, particularities and, and being conscious, I, I experienced that the best way is to, is actually, again, it's not that much about ideas. It's about culture. If you are in a milieu, in uh, circles that have uh, also agnostics and atheists in them, because we nobody belongs to just one circle, right? We have many, many concentric circles. Yeah. It may be work, it may be a chess club, whatever. Yeah. But if the cool people, it's just like when you went to the school 
uh, if the cool people are into something, those that they respect, then they are open to it. And as soon as someone are, is open, and that's a prerequisite, they have to be open. They can't, most people are emotionally closed or whatever. They have many mechanisms to close. But uh, as, as soon as they're open, the best and most effective way uh, to influence someone, if that's the agenda, is by the example. Is by it's not by convincing them and pushing them. Actually, the more you show humility and self-criticism and carefulness, the more they respect. And if you also talk, you know the old uh, saying, "When in Rome, do as the Romans." Mm -hmm. Very important. So when I talk with, uh, I used to be a meditation coach, mm -hmm. and my meditation classes were the only one in this country that had all seven. Uh, forms of meditation i'm not talking about seven techniques i'm talking about the types of meditation mm -hmm. and uh, uh, i uh, and it was like completely detached from religion there was some philosophy that but 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 you could it was uh, paradigm neutral so i got uh, agnostics i got some atheists even and i talked their language and I was extra careful with my claims. I tried to root it, root it in its scientific terminology. Because the, the fact is, Christian, that you can communicate almost anything in many different ways. You know, most truths are very simple. So you can, call, you, if you talk with someone about, let's say, why they need a water filter in their tap, you can, you can appeal emotionally. You can you can use emotional language. You can appeal um, in terms of um, uh, you, you science scientifically. You can use scientific mm -hmm. arguments. You can uh, you can appeal in terms of uh, <laughs> fear of uh, um, health uh, of sickness and stuff like that. You can talk uh, uh, culturally. This magically you can communicate it in a magical paradigm. So. There's so many ways to communicate ideas. I'm used to these, my shows, and I know you're new to them, but we have many different fields of operation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I, use, I, I use the slogans, philosophy, religion, history, culture, and science. Should have added uh, a few more, also yeah. psychology and maybe also health, but... So I'm used to communicating with different types of people who have different, not just different ideas, because most people don't even have that many different ideas. They just have different ways to express them and impress them. So it's a misunderstanding. It's a language thing more than anything. If we were telepathic, we would be amazed how little differences there really are. Yeah. But there's the difference of language that's the biggest problem. So um, it's a good spiritual exercise it's a good discipline to practice to communicate in different ways so i talk one way with i'm not changing my attitude i'm not changing my opinions if these opinions are well versed in conviction uh, i'm not i'm not being fake i'm just facilitating the communication that's all i'm doing i'm just i'm just changing clothes it's the same right. body underneath right. So bottom line, the best way I find, and there's many ways 
to influence someone and i really want to influence someone because i believe people have to find their own path uh, trial and fail and you know but if i was to uh, it would be by uh, talking their language it would be by already being okayed being in not presenting myself as an enemy and thirdly uh, and uh, uh, most importantly would be to lead by example mm, love that man yeah sorry for the long convoluted no, answer no, no, but it was yeah. such a good question i just needed no, to no no i i love this is i i almost don't even have to ask questions i can just say a word and let you develop whatever comes through you know this is what i love i love about uh this podcast like i said already it's just the amazing people i i and the amazing sort of wisdom that we get to and that's why i call it connecting minds because we yeah. we're connecting our minds and you're literally almost like you know back in the day like um i used to read more like about buddhism and zen and how the master and the student would relay uh, how the master would relay the teachings through the lineage and a lot of a lot of the time it would be like they would just be looking at each other in the eye and some somehow something would get conveyed you know so it's pretty amazing yeah can i comment this yeah if you if two enlightened people however we define it are sitting on a plane they come from different tradition back to the mountain one came from the north another from the south if they're really in, if they're really on top of the mountain they can sit on that plane and they can recognize each other and they don't even have to utter a word like yeah. you said yeah. it can be a glance yeah and things are communicated for sure uh, do you know Gurdjieff so I, i have a book by ospensky that mm. he was a student of gurdjieff but i haven't actually read much into gurdjieff is it is the book book called in search the, of the miraculous the fourth way the fourth way okay yeah. well there's a story there where gurdjieff demonstrates that principle about missionaries a psychological rule it's very short it goes like this i'm butchering it and it's the gist but uh, he uh, was they, they they were they were making money for the Uh, group by different crafts and arts and they were weaving carpets if i remember correctly and very detailed craft from asia uh, you know i think you have those in bulgaria too and and you know like persian yes, carpets yeah. for example and yeah, yeah. they were doing very specific technique and it was high quality high quality material high quality um, craft and they were selling it on the market and Gurdjieff wanted to demonstrate a principle uh, for one of the pupils who asked him a question. And he said, uh, um, so so day one, it was super expensive. And a rich Moscow lady came came to the uh, town square and was examining the carpet. And, you know, she was obviously she was... um, considering in her mind if she should really spend all this money for for this beautiful thing that she really wanted and um, she said uh, she would come back the next day she had to think about it and check her funds and probably talk with her husband whatever okay she came the next day and then Gurdjieff said uh, uh she said i decided to 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 purchase it she said okay but t- t- today it's free he said she was what 
Yeah, no money. And uh, something is wrong. I mean, uh, so she she didn't dare take it when it was free. Mm. She said she would go home and think about it. She didn't want it anymore. Mm. She was probably thinking she was being tricked or there was something wrong with it. Mm. Or You know, it's, it reminds me also of this Larry David episode. Do you know the series called Curb Your Enthusiasm? Oh, Very I- hilarious. I I've watched like snippets of it. Is it's, all, it's, yeah. a, it's a guy behind Seinfeld. Yeah, there was yeah. this episode where one of the bills, I don't know if it was a, I think it was a $50 bill, if that even exists. It had been in the shoe of some guy. So it was like invisible uh, leper, <laughs> leprosy. But nobody knows. But when Larry David tried to pay with it, he was like holding it like this. I'm showing a movement now where I'm barely touching the the bill, right? And nobody wanted it. <laughs> See, this is the principle. So it says this bill is still worth $50 or $100, right? Yeah. The carpet is still the same carpet. It's all psychology, man. Yeah, yeah. It's all psychology. And this demonstration of Gurdjieff can be immediately converted to the area you wanted to discuss, which is, you know, influence of ideas. Mm. Uh, so little so little in the world of ideas are actually the ideas being considered themselves. There's so many outer layers blocking these things, influencing these things. Like you're friends with someone, therefore you are open to this or that. You have goodwill to something or someone, therefore you... You see it in politics. Let's say, let's say, uh, let's let's take a polarized uh, figure like Trump. Let's say someone likes some of the policies he says he's in in uh, supporting and then everybody has their own ideas nobody's 100 percent aligned with a politician or a party or a religion or anything mm-hmm. if anybody is a thinking person they have their own opinions about things but in real life we tend to go with those that have the most same as us or the most important as the same as us so say you're against war therefore when you see the horrible political landscape in America, um, actually now you have RFK, I would have totally voted for him if I was American. But let's say you go for Trump. And then Trump does, he becomes the president and he does things that you don't support. Then you start to rationalize it. Then you start to excuse it. Then you start to minimize it. Maybe you even try to, maybe you change your mind and start being in favor of those things yeah, that he yeah. certainly does. See, has has nothing to do with ideas. Yeah, We're yeah. not advanced enough collectively as a species yet to operate on the pure level of ideas. Plato felt that when man becomes divine, then we would be operating from the world of ideas. But the world of ideas are far away and we can just catch glimmer of them we can there's filters between us and them it's like encountering a ufo you don't really know what you're dealing with here you you can only interpret it through layers through filters that's what jung called archetypes Mm. let me ask you what do you think the average person during plato's time would you think they were on average smarter than the average person now or not? Such a good question. I thought about this. 
sorry. <clears throat> I swallowed some vape. Um, see, there's it, it, both. Uh, we obviously we are more tech savvy. Uh, Sean Gepser, he 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 divided consciousness into four parts: archaic mind, mythical mind, magical mind, and technical mind. Now we all have those four aspects in us still, but we have overpolarized. Uh, modern man has overpolarized technical mind, so we are more adept there. That's number one. Number two, even if they were uneducated, some people were uneducated. People still have life experience, and life experience is, is worth more than formal education mm -hmm. in, in in most respects. Mm -hmm. Furthermore. If we today had the level we are in today, but we didn't have all the distractions, it would be a completely other matter. But most people today, and I think Scandinavia is worse than Portugal and worse than Bulgaria, but we are swamped into a technological nightmare where everything is codes and apps and digits and people have no time for anything. Because of that, we become dumber. Mm. And, and and people are less and less specialized and it's good to have you know a generalist thing I, I'm all in favor of generalism you know the ability to connect but yeah. to really it's like you know children and languages if you are a child of bilingual parents they have found out that if you teach both languages the same from beginning, it becomes language confused and, and poor. So let's say um, there's one language from the father, one language from the mother, and then the local language where you live. That's so you exactly have the case in my family. Okay. Yeah. So the optimal, according to the uh, research, is that you choose first one language that the kid gets from it's a baby mm -hmm. for the two, three first years. That becomes the base language. Then you pile on the second language and the third language. You can do it even before it starts yeah. school. Yeah. And it becomes adept in all three languages because now it can use one of the languages as a reference point and decode and break mm. the mm. Uh, crack, the, the other languages. Now, it's the same what we're talking about here. Um if you are specialized in something, you can use those principles because reality is pr pretty, the essence of reality is pretty simple and un unison. So if you have something that you master, you can immediately convert. It's called intuitive uh, knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have that anymore. They, they, everybody had it in the old days. Everybody was an expert in something. Mm. Uh, maybe the most important factor that very few know is that time is uh, how should I put this because this is a scientific thing it's it's not like a it sounds like what I'm saying now sounds like an esoteric thing it's actually proven by science I could send you the article it's very hard to understand and explain but time is going faster now now it doesn't mean that uh, you know we live longer than we used to do uh, at some points in history, in other points, we lived longer. You go back to Moses, they lived two, three hundred years. Yeah. But time is going faster. The earth is spinning differently. The, uh, put it like this. Uh, the, the, 
arrow on the clock is going kind of faster and we are experiencing things faster. It has to do with the, the spin of the earth and, and stuff like that. It, it's too technical for me to be able to explain it to you now, but we have actually less time mm -hmm. than we did back then. So imagine you live uh, 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, and you have more, let's say you, you, you have what we now, because our diurnal, more and more people experience that, oh, I, I just felt like I woke up and now it's evening again. Oh, my God, it's Monday already. Yeah, oh, my yeah. God. And people, no, it's just because you're getting older. No, everybody feels this, <laughs> even the young people. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. Everything is accelerating. Mm. And uh, that means that I, I think the, the scientists found out that we are, have lost, it, 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 I think it's like, I forgot the number. I have to look up that article. But it's like two, three hours less in a, a diurnal in a 24 wow. hour. That's a lot of time. Wow. So they had much more time to grow wise. And then they didn't have the distractions on top of everything. No wonder there was like a Francis Bacon or a Da Vinci or, or, or a Pythagoras. They could sit there and they could just devote time to crack riddles and, and find answers. Who on earth can do that today? Could it be that, I, I've thought about this myself, <clears throat> could it be that there was less of a body of knowledge to, to draw on? So it's like, the if you think of it, like the, was it the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule? The, the first 20% of your effort will yield 80% of the results and then the last 20 it's like when i was writing my book you know i could write a 70,000 word manuscript very quickly and then that last 20 percent where you're just polishing and editing it it can take you know uh, triple the time potentially you know so could it be that if if we don't have um let's say uh a, a theory to find the uh, or freaking word I, i'm not very good at math but if if we don't have a uh what is the that to find a hypotenuse what do you call that jesus uh geo uh, algebraic expression or what the fuck was mm. it? <laughs> right the hypotenuse of the circle <clears throat> yeah so if you yeah. don't have a if you don't have some type of equation to to figure out basic things yeah. You know, if you throw a, if you throw a person with very little knowledge and you give him like uh, you know cubes and blocks and Legos to play with, they'll figure out a lot of things. But once we we reach a very sort of high technological level for things, now you're uh, to to get anything of significance where you'll be like a star, like someone like Nikola Tesla, for example. You you need to have something you know absolutely paradigm shifting. And we had let's say we had millions or billions of people working in dozens of fields just thousands or millions of millions upon millions of man and woman hours building stuff that at this point uh i think i totally agree that you need to specialize in something because that the applicability of that skill uh, you know the, the what you learned in mastering one skill you can apply that in many other things but mm -hmm. i i really feel like in this world to be able to synthesize things from multiple... This is what I think the people of old... You know, if you look like Benjamin Franklin or all these guys, Leonardo, they were yeah. polyglots. 
they were or po uh, polymaths they were like doing everything engineering and science and philosophy and poetry and art and they were just synthesizing everything and i think that is beautiful those people are just uh, a level that is uh, you know beyond the scope of most of us but honestly i believe it's because we we're being deliberately dumbed down yeah as opposed to you know like the john taylor gatto the the great uh, sort of uh, he he kind of the whistleblower on the school system he says genius is as common as dirt and yeah. the schooling system beats that out of you you know yeah plato said it in another way he said everyone's a genius just on different matters mm -hmm. and he also said everyone is is an idiot just on different matters so mm -hmm. i i totally agree what about um i wanted to ask you goddamn i keep I keep forgetting what I want to ask. This. What, yeah, the twenty eighty thing you said. No, there was something. There was something else. But uh, it's like there's so many things. Like when you talk, like there's every sentence like ding ding ding. Oh my you god! Have to, you have to that. note it down. That's why I do in interviews with people like Peak. I just bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, and I try yeah. to sneak it in there. Yeah, I already have a bunch of bullet points. Let's let's go back a few steps. It will, it will come back to me. What yep. do you What do you? I, I'd like to know your your um. What's your take on the uh? How do you, how do I phrase this? In on the superficial mystery schools like the Freemasons and stuff like that. That you know any dude out there can pretty much go and join without too much effort. Do you think there's like let, let's use Freemasonry an example. Do you think there's value in that other than you know uh, a buddy's club to to get ahead with your career? Do you think there is actual esoteric stuff you can still learn by joining an order like that or a fraternity like that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but then again, anything can be a school. Anything can be a tool. So it's not like it's much better, especially not in, in the day and age of uh, books, of course, and, and yeah. now internet, right? So uh, if you have that spiritual mind to begin with, where you are inquiring and, and for some reason you want to do it through a Masonic body, yeah, you can. Uh, I estimate that about 20% of the Masonic members have like a philosophy, like mean it they are aligned with that spiritual philosophy and and among them maybe 10 percent, so maybe two percent in total uh really get into adepts of that and they usually become let's say librarians historians maybe let's hope grandmasters mm -hmm. uh, so of course yeah anything can you can even learn from traps like Scientology or Jehovah's Witness or you know any cult or sect. It's a hard lesson. It's an expensive lesson. Yeah. Nonetheless, it's a lesson. So uh, I think anything can. You can also be non-aligned, but there are certain advantages you get from group work. So my mm -hmm. advice to those who doesn't want to belong a, to a club is to make your own little network. Make your own like book club circle, meditation circle, book circle, study group, discussion group. There are four approaches. Uh, there's four different spiritual disciplines you can apply to get to the mountaintop. One, uh, they can be divided in, in two categories. 
one is extrovert, the other one is introvert. Then you can divide them vertically in two other categories. One is individual, another is collective. So if we start with the uh, individual uh, uh, introvert, or, or, or in, uh, I, I should say, yeah, individual or subjective introvert, I would say studies. You can study nature, you can study books, you can study systems, symbols, paintings, whatever, right? But it's about you and only you immersing yourself into something outside of yourself. That's one tool that you can do alone. Although if you belong to a real group that has some heritage and maybe some exclusive information, you can get, get some of that to study. Then there's the collective one, which is the living word. That's communication. It can be lectures, etc. But but uh, but if it's just a lecture, then it's still a, a kind of a study. You're studying what the word of another. Man. But if you discuss it afterwards, it's a living word. It's colloquial. A colloquial, whether you do it in an organization or with a group of friends, is extremely uh, helpful because it gives you something that you can't get from the other three, and you have to experience it to realize it. I realized it once. I had some very deep, uh, very, very advanced insights into uh, a particular system of symbols that is impossible to 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 learn by uh, plodering. And I was having this study circle and, and the people came. And what happens is that all the people are focusing their minds on the same idea. Mm -hmm. And something happens that we get connected to each other through that idea. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, a symbolically a candle. Now the candle sends a different rays, but we all connect via that candle. Uh, so uh, suddenly one person, and I had like uh, bullet points of how I would help them to get to the realizations, right? And I was thinking, but I'll, I'll let them hash it out before I uh, budge in and ruin it for them. And one guy, he said, one of those things, great. He, he, it was like a realization he had. And then the other started to get it, right? And uh, then another one, she, she said one of the next points, and it just developed naturally. Eventually, before we was done, I didn't have to say to reveal any meaning because they all had decoded it collectively. Amazing. Yeah. So this is one way. This is the collective. Uh, and then the two last ways are the introvert collective, which uh, I would say like ceremonies, rituals, and then the individual introvert, which would be meditation, contemplation, uh, reflection, dreams, maybe. So these are the four principal tools. There's many techniques uh, within each of these tools, but I do feel like working with others are important for two of those tools because you need a balance. You need uh, all four, basically. So. Sure. You can't do it all alone, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there, I have a ton of books on all kinds of things. I have, I think, all of Rudolf Steiner's books and all of, like, really amazing stuff that I've hundreds and hundreds that I haven't even, well, I've opened, but I've not read, you know, so. But I hey, feel let, like... me, let me recommend to the listeners yeah. uh, two books uh, yeah. regarding specifically this. Uh, this guy, he's, um, he's a British guy, but he, he uses a... a pseudonym because he writes about Kabbalah. Mm -hmm. I'm not deeply into Kabbalah, but I love these two books. Uh, and he's called himself Halevi. 
Chev Ben Shimon Halevi. Halevi. Yeah, but he has a normal British name, really. And these two books, and only these two books I recommend, is uh, uh, The School of the Soul. And every time he says Kabbalah and Kabbalist, just change the word with spiritualism and spiritually, spiritualist or esotericism and esotericist, because what he describes is general rules. You can be a Martinist, a Mason, uh, whatever you, you're into. So that's School of the Soul. And there he explains how to build up your own group without belonging to an organization. Totally a great book. And then here's uh, one that's called Way of the Kabbalist. It was, it had another title at some point. Uh, and there he explains exactly the same principles only for an individual. Mm, okay. uh, so so those two books, then you have covered the group thing and the individual thing. And those, I think, are very good guidance for people who are isolated and alone, that so many are. And thanks to podcasts like yours and others today, we can kind of bypass that problem that would be huge in the old days, you yeah. know, before the internet. Yeah, notwithstanding before books, what did people do? Yeah, yeah, because like back in the day, if you're isolated and you have no books, you're pretty much screwed. But now, you might be the most introverted person, and you don't have to have the conversation like we're having. Just listening into the conversation, it's it's. In, I mean, that's why we. That's why podcasting is so amazing. That's why we all love it and do it. Is because I I listen to people and I learn like e literally every single day. I'm learning, learning, learning new things, you know. And then one day I I just stop and I'm like, like I listen to you talk to like someone like Anthony Peak, and I'm so humbled. I'm like, I don't know shit. I don't know anything. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's, I that's the wise man's prerogative, right? The the more you know, the less you know. Yeah. Right? I sincerely hope so because I, I some days I'm like, honestly, like, I'm like, I don't know anything. Even on the health side of things, I'm like, <clears throat> especially actually, especially on the health side of things because I listen to a lot of really awesome experts and I, I listen to them and I'm like, God, am I ever going to be anywhere near that you know, knowledgeable on this stuff. But mm. you know what? I, I, I'm just taking it as um as an inspiration. You know, just the ability, like it's such a privilege to be exposed to all these amazing people. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, one of the reasons I did start the podcast was precisely so I could talk with, uh, with, uh, um, yeah, different people who, who I thought I could have a different, interesting conversation made. but you're right have you ever seen uh, uh like a uh, you've never seen a wise man uh in uh, being self-conceited right only an ignorant does that so so um i know trump said uh i'm a genius but normally a genius doesn't doesn't declare his geniusness. Those who think they are, those who are self-conceited, they never appear wise. They always appear fools because that's what they are. And that's why fundamentalists are, are so extremely stupid because they only see one layer of reality and they trump that layer in a battle. And they think, you know, it could be, I know more of the Bible than you do. I know yeah. more how to tweak the Bible to convince and to get my will through because that's all they use the bible for they just use it as a channel for their own 
fixed ideas, right? And yeah. it's the same the the skeptics do, right? They they ah oh, I cite this study, blah blah blah. They're all idiots. Uh, humbleness, you know, the more you know, the more you realize, yeah, that you don't know. So so uh, yeah, uh, we all belong to that club. But uh, sooner or later, we all join that club. And another reason I love that analogy with there are many paths to the top of the mountain is like maybe like I was reflecting on some part of the Kibalion this morning, you know, and if we are, if the human condition is one layer of mm -hmm. potentially infinite layer layers of experiencing being in the universe then we're you know the, in the Kabbalion it's like a we at least the way I, I interpret that part is we're on a course of development so we're learning and potentially coming back to reincarnate but then maybe at some point the consciousness rises on a, another plane of existence so you're now you know you, you could be a mineral you could be a you know a plant an animal or the layers in between human and then it's all the potentially all the beings and entities and things that angels whatever else that are above our sort of layer but on the way it's it's kind of like a gradual ascension to the top where you um eventually merge with the all so this analogy of there are many paths to the mountain i have to i honestly this is a personal lesson lesson for me is i really have to stop i guess it's kind of my personality i need to stop trying to um help maybe people that don't give a damn about my my advice or my opinion you know maybe i need to like i was talking to someone else and i was interviewing uh a week or two ago and he said he's he works with, with clients and helps them with all kinds of things uh, self-sabotage he says i only help people when they come to me and yeah. um i think because uh, if i help you let's say you're on you know whatever and i help you and i set you on the course that i think is right for you maybe i'm robbing you of the path you had to take all around the mountain yeah. 17 50 times to see all the different landscapes and visages and the cool birds and the cool plants so i'm robbing you of that whole amazing journey because uh, if you look at it objectively there is no bad or you know good when you look at from the eyes of like a higher perspective so maybe yeah it's this is something i need to work on my bro i don't know what do you think well i mean um i, I totally agree that th th those who doesn't want help can't be helped but um if people uh, tune into your podcast, obviously they are already open. So you have bypassed that thing I mentioned earlier where, you know, they listen to you. So already you have goodwill. So you are in a position to help at that point. Mm. And, uh, you know, then it's out of your hands. All you can do is, is lead by example and give advice. And those that it applies to, it will hit them. Maybe not everything. Maybe yeah. not on different levels, but it will do some good. So I'm not, I'm not, 
preaching that we all should be hermits and withdraw from society. I mean, share, by all means, share. Yeah. But we should share without insistence and without expectation, I think. Uh, it will hit where it's the sun. The sun doesn't discriminate. It radiates its life-giving uh, rays to everyone, even the mean and the stupid and the evil. So um, it doesn't discriminate. And uh, I believe that's how, that's not just a, 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 a nice symbol. It's, it's an analogy to how it works. If it's truth, um, if the idea is pure, if it comes from a good place, just spread it and and like rain, it will find fertile ground. Nice, um, I love that. Yeah, I love and it's your... out of your hands. You do you don't have to be concerned about one particular person or a group yeah. of people. And uh, I'm like that too. I've I wasn't always like that, but uh, now I'm I'm certainly there that they have to even when they come to me, it's a, a, a hassle. I have to see. How how seriously do they really take it? <laughs> yeah. Like uh, I have a family member who's very curious about all these weird things I'm into, and <laughs> he asks like he asks a lot of questions. Some of them are completely stupid, but it's deliberate. Not always. He really wants. He just wants like a label, so he can pack it away and understand mm -hmm. it. Because he used to think I was crazy. Now now that he started to hear on in some podcasts, mm -hmm. he, he realized hmm. There's something to this. And yeah. so you have to adjust it to the whoever it is you're trying to reach. Sure. Um, yeah. What, what, how do you define, what is alchemy? If I were to ask you, what is alchemy and who are alchemists and do they exist nowadays? Last question, yes. Alchemy is the acceleration of racing vibrations it's the natural it is acceleration of the natural racing of vibrations. so a scientist who artificially imposes something which is unnatural is not an alchemist although he may uh, raise vibrations so to do it even simpler than that alchemists observe nature and they recognize certain laws. And they saw that nature strives for the principle that later was known as evolution. But that's a very limitation of a, a universal principle. It's the principle of not just random change. It's not transformation, although that is a law in nature. It is the transmutation. It's that everything seeks to become its best version. It's that everything seeks to be refined. And in minerals, where the term alchemy is most known, it is the striving to become gold, which was the most perfect element. Mm -hmm. But the, there is an equivalent in all, all sorts, like in, in, in uh, plants, uh, in the vegetable kingdom, it's called spagyrics. Spargyr uh, and in, in psychology, right, we, we have um, uh, mental alchemy, or whatever they call it. So it's... In an analogy, it's it's for the fool to become wise. Mm -hmm. But nature do this, and nature is patient, and nature takes a long time. Now, the difference, you know, you can just sit down 
and you can sabotage yourself. I'm not going out there. I'm not going to learn every, anything. I'm not going to experience anything. I refuse to develop. Even then, you would still develop. It would just take twice as long as your peers, right? <laughs> but the one who throws themselves out in life or, or reads a lot of books, I recommend um, a book for, by Herman Hesse. It's called... Uh, no, uh, in Norwegian, it's called Narciss and Gulmun. Uh, if I translate it, it's Narciss and Goldmouth. I don't know if I don't know the English or the German title, but mm -hmm. Narciss should be a, a clue. He describes two different people that both develop themselves: one through life experience, the other through reading. There is another book doing the same with Bulvalitten called Zanoni, the Rosicrucian. He he describes two. Um, Adepts, they were born in Sumeria, but they found a life elixir. And the idea is that there are some people like that out there in, in, in the world still. They can be run over by the bus and die, but they don't age. Mm. And so uh, these were the two last adepts of this particular tradition, Mejnur and Sanuni. Sanuni, he was like the... Oh, he was gambling and he was into ladies and he was a part of life the other one was more of a hermit he read books he was more secluded but i'm talking myself away so alchemy is the ability to do to to accelerate your path mm -hmm. uh, to tr uh, trans raise the vibrations or whatever it is but you have to help the natural way of doing it right. so it's uh, to the opposite of the guy who says, I don't want to do anything, is what can I do to accelerate? Mm -hmm. And they learned it by studying the natural principles and they see, okay, if I do this and the moon is there and the, I put this in there and I do this and there and bam, now I've helped nature accelerate the process of racing vibrations. This is called transmutation, mm -hmm. racing vibrations. That's alchemy. This is what the alchemists did. And it's still being done, even by people who have never heard of the word alchemy. And, and who are the alchemists? Certainly not those who call themselves alchemy alchemists. Always been a rule in alchemy that the one calling himself an alchemist is a quack. He's not <laughs> an alchemist. The same is true for shamanism and a whole host of other uh, disciplines and if for nothing else for the fact that you pointed out earlier that hey i thought i knew everything now i know nothing if you know nothing you wouldn't hide behind of an uh, a conceited uh, presumptuous label would you yeah you would certainly not say you were wise no no so that's why pythagoras launched the term philosophy uh, the tyrant asked him, are you one of these wise? Wise in those days, a sophos is the same as a yogi or as a lama mm -hmm. or a shaman, etc. It's, it's, it wasn't like today where it's this in university, who studied what when. And no, no, it was about a path. They were healer prophets. They were, uh, yeah. So he asked him that and Pythagoras said, I'm just one who loves wisdom. I'm not a sophos. I'm a lover of Sophia. Love that. That's humble. That's yeah, yeah.
and so what kind of practices do you think uh one can use to raise and when you say raise vibrations what do you what do you mean and what kind of practices do you think i mean i guess reading can help but is there anything else we can do to raise our vibrations or do you do anything to raise your vibration yeah so almost everything we do uh, can lower or, or raise uh, let's start with what it means well in, in in this particular context alchemy it's about um, transmuting the matter whether that's mineral or plant or something in your body or whatever it's to uh, accelerate it i mean vibrations it's swingings per second right it hurts so when you alter the vibrations of the particles or if you want to adhere to the quantum paradigm you would say that you're altering the waves what you do is in in actual fact you are changing the substance of what you're working with so it becomes something else I mean, I can just set fire on something and I'm changing the vibrations, but that's transformation. Mm. It's not uh, It's not becoming more refined. It's not becoming more potent. It's not becoming more excellent. It's not becoming more pure and crystallized. So it's not about that. It's about, so destruction, although that has its place, a, a common practice in alchemy is that you start with the prima materia, the first matter, whatever that is. Uh, and then you, uh, at some point, you have to divide two components in the thing you're working with. And then you refine those two components each on their own. And then you bring them back together. Hmm. And eventually uh, you have refined a product. Now, this can be done also in terms of consciousness or in terms of life energy. So you asked, how can we... Well, I mean, you're already into it in terms of health, right? You already know, probably more than me, uh, stuff you can do in terms of bettering your health. But that's not the entire picture. So uh, we are psychosomatical creatures. So uh, uh, we have to refine ourselves, I would say, on five levels, or, or at least four levels. We would have to refine ourselves on in soma which is uh, the bodily aspects of things we would and and that is both the physical expression like you can exercise for example but it's also the life force the prana mm -hmm. the pneuma the chi the ki the organ etc the tachyon so so it's both a life force and a substance then uh, on uh, water which is the emotional uh, the 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 uh, co what's it in English? Constituency, constitu constitution, constitution, the emotional constitution. Then uh, there is the mental constitution, and then there is the highest level in man, the creative. This is where intuition and those things. So all those four levels: fire, air, water, earth. To use a sim symbology to describe those levels, those. Mm -hmm vibration levels in man all of them can be refined and when that happens if you do it in balance because you can be unbalanced the new age will probably uh, do a lot of emotional uh, work the the intellectualist will probably do a lot of mental work 
the health freak will probably do a lot of physical improvements. Mm. But you have to, and the artist, you have to do it on all four levels because when they are in balance, the fifth element can blossom like the rose on the cross. The seed now becomes a, a blossoming rose. Is that the symbology of the rose on the cross? It's a symbology yeah, of the yeah, rose on the many cross. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Wow. the cross is the, is the burden of matter. The soul, uh, the 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 rose is the soul that is like when all all the four lower levels in man are in balance, the divine man can can wow. express itself. So I would say, and I gave earlier, I gave an an, an analytical um, division of or conceptualization of the four ways to to I was talking about the introvert and the extrovert, the collective and the subjective, mm -hmm. right? So, so yeah, there's, there's, uh, I mean, we could discuss specific, and we're probably going to do that when I talk with you for my shows about health tips. We could give specific advice, but right now we're talking conceptual, sure. concept, concepts, right? So I'm going generally, I'm talking principally about things. We could talk specifically, but everyone has different tastes. And, like for some, some people, maybe Tai Chi would be the right thing or Qigong. For some might be dance, you know, to embody embody themselves. Like this is something to be honest, I've 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 struggled with um recent well, in recent years is two things is I wanted to meditate more and I've wanted to do something like um something like Tai Chi or Qigong and just I, I know like I I've done very basic exercises where you know, when you hold your palms close to each other, I can feel that energy, bro. It's amazing. I'm like, wow, this is this is life force. This is what they call chi or whatever else. I can feel it in me, and um, like I'm. Is it? I I feel like sometimes maybe I'm afraid, and I'm holding myself back to ex. Uh, uh, I'm afraid of experiencing these things, and maybe it's like your own power, and like this the life coursing through you, you know, maybe is, do you think it could be fear that's preventing me from, from pursuing like a meditation practice or something like that? I mean, yeah, fears hold us back, uh, but we have it on different levels. I don't, I don't have fear for those things. Uh, I, rem I agree with you. You have to, you have to work with the, the life force on some level, right? Yeah. It could be the, what you said. It could be yoga in my meditation classes. Uh, I think already in the introduction courses, uh, I had free introduction courses. I, I demonstrated this a technique for them where they woke up their ability to feel uh, the prana energy, just like you described. Mm. And many of them were mind blown. <laughs> and, I was, but yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but it's a simple technique that give me anyone who's willing to go through that meditation technique, I guide them through. And they will feel it at the end. Yeah, yeah. That's how simple it is because everybody has it. And I detested, I detested these woo-woo courses where they try to make it into something fantastic and fancy and exclusive and yeah. oh, the Kundalini and the this and the that. <laughs> and and I, I detest it because they mystify and they exploit it to see we are have the key. I, I never did that, but yeah, some people can be scared when they feel, oh my God, it's physical. I, I, I even taught them how to use this energy 
uh, on the spine, uh, uh, really on the nerve system, mm -hmm. uh, to boost or or improve or, or you know uh, balance and harmonize certain things. But my fears that have held me back are more psychological things. It's not even psycho, more meta, like it's more metaphysical experiences. Like um, when I have, if I have an out of body experience, I'm always like reluctant, uh, certain things there. Uh, not not lucid dreaming, actually. Maybe but because is I'm it so intentional out of body experiences or even worse? If, when, even worse if it's spontaneous, because yeah. then you really don't feel you're in control. But I, I've learned that it has to do with my fear of heights. Mm. And you can see it in the horoscope. Um, What's your birthday, if you don't mind? Or you can tell me after it's... Yeah, uh, but uh, the fear of heights is not really a fear of heights. I have no problem being at the top of the Eiffel Tower. I have no yeah. problem sitting in the plane. I have a fear of depths. Hmm. I have a fear of looking out from the Eiffel Tower and then being consumed with the... <gasps> Yeah. Right. Uh, and uh, you can see it in the horoscope. I have a dissonance with air. Mm. So if you have like, uh, and I believe maybe Pluto or for those who have savvy in, in, in this kind of psychological tool, uh, I think it's Saturn and Pluto you have to look at there. And uh, so um, uh, which element do you have uh, most dissonance with or detachment with or alienation with or le less of? There can be different things. But uh, so if it's Earth, it can be more physical if it's uh, uh, water it can be uh, of an emotional nature etc so i believe that can be a tool to map where your fear where your limitations are but yeah we all have them from we are babies i mean mm -hmm. the the cliche of falling down from the what's it called uh where your mother changed your diaper <laughs> oh, the changing table, yeah, 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 yeah. So if you fall down from that, right, you 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 have fear of heights. They say <laughs> so. It, it can be so simple, but then there's the concept of oh, it can be from your former life. Who knows? Uh, it doesn't really matter where your traumas or or your limitations are from, as long as you seek to neutral. If there be, they, they, you don't have to fix everything. Only fix it if it's uh, a problem. It yeah. becomes a problem if it inhibits your natural growth. So if the uh, fear is holding you back, then, yeah, you need to deal with it. Mm. Very interesting. So what do, have you studied about the chakras? I'm sure you have. Yeah. Uh, we went uh, with my wife to a homeopath um, about three weeks ago, I think, at this point. And he has this bio. I, I told the story. So in case people listening, I would keep telling this story because it's freaking awesome. It blew cool. my mind. So um, homeopath up in the mountains here in Portugal, you hold this rod, metal rod in your left hand, and then he places like the probe like close to your nail on your ring finger and um, the machine goes <laughs> so so he started measuring my wife and I'm like how are you asking the question of whatever question you're asking because he, he does it and then he asks you something do you feel like you're this are you are you like this do you have a problem with this 
and he just pointed to his head. This guy, 79 years old, uh, looked really well. You know, skin was perfect, no blemishes. And um, anyway, so he got a lot of things right for my wife. So I'm, I'm there like, all right, my turn. Let's do me. And <laughs> um, basically, just to, to cut a... To make a short story long, or to cut to cut a long long story short, a um, couple of things about he said my first chakra and my fourth chakra are not balanced, and he gave me some homeopathic thing. He gave me a mantra to listen to every day for at least ten minutes, and we we've been doing that, taking a homeopathic thing. But when when you hear something like so, we know okay the the root chakra and the the heart chakra are one one and four. When you hear let's say something like that, um, what do you, what thoughts run through your head when you hear someone has let's say a heart chakra out of balance or or a root chakra out of balance? What kind of starts coursing through your head now? Well, first of all, I respect homeopathy as a discipline. Uh, I don't think this is anything to do with homeopathy. Because homeopaths don't relate to chakras, mm -hmm. and they certainly don't have this gizmo. It sounds like, sounds like that uh, dianetics thing. That's uh, what I was. I was. I was like thinking to myself, "Don't make a joke about Scientology right now." Uh, he might not even get it, you know. So I don't know the technology. It may be completely legit, legitimate. So I'm. I'm not criticizing that. But yeah. uh, you ask me of my opinion, and I. I uh, cringe every time. Really? This is straight out of uh, New Age. Oh, you have to balance your heart chakra. It doesn't mean anything. It's just empty words. Mm. And I don't believe... I've, I've been a coach uh, from uh, 2012 to 2009 to 2000... No, when did I begin? Yeah, to 2015. Never gave people advice like that. I wouldn't even presume to. This is like, okay, maybe if you're a surgeon and it's it's like very tangible stuff, you can say, yeah, we have to fix that specific thing. But to go into details about other people and their health and their psychology and their constituency on other matters than very tangible stuff, it's a huge responsibility. And those who do it frivolously, I get skeptical of them. Um, but this guy, but, this guy but even that's so, all I don't does. believe it's this right. This guy, that's do. all he does. And pe like uh, my wife got his number from uh, multiple different people, really said, wow, he's really good. So not, not a quack, you know what I mean? Like the no, guy. No. Yeah. We have uh, in Norway an old man. They call him Snorsakallan. He's, he, he has millions of people contacting him because of his powers. He's a very wow. simple man. He's uh, I think he works as a something in the church, ringing the bell or something. Mm. Old, simple man, and he has extreme powers. And the journalist asks him to explain it as if he knows. That's like, okay, mm. yes, he, 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 <laughs> he, he, he won the lottery of having these powers naturally. Yeah. But he never devoted himself to study and understanding it. So he's the last man to uh, to ask. No, I, I, I'm not dismissing yeah. uh, powers. Uh, what, what I am saying is that if you want to help someone, you ought to, first of all, they ought to find out as much as possible themselves, especially about specifics 
So in general, you can guide them, you can point them in directions, but I don't believe in this thing of impose, like healing, so-called yeah. healing. There is only one healer. It's not your physician and it's not your new age therapist, yeah, yeah. The, the laying on, on of hands. It's the natural immune system in your body. It's the pneuma expressing, the life force expressing. The a baby force. falls down from the third floor and is unharmed because it's a living bomb of life. An old lady uh, trips uh, in her living room and falls down half a meter and breaks her entire uh, bone structure. Very little life force. This is the healer. Yeah. And then you can use, you know, front... Franz Anton Mesmer, a mason and a Rosicrucian who stumbled over what is known, known as uh, uh, hypnosis mm -hmm. from the god Hypnos because it looked as if they were in sleep when they were in uh, trance. Mm -hmm. But it was first called Mesmerism. And an important aspect in Mesmerism was the magnetic thing. That's not so much in hypnosis anymore. But the what they have in common with the healer and with the uh, most new age therapist and with your physician is that they boost the natural healer. Uh, the first man, the guy who coined the term, this was in the uh, late 1800s, the guy who coined the term hypnosis, he was studying in India and using it on patient mesmerism on patients. And he found that when he used this, the uh, pain threshold went from, uh, uh, I think it was from 90% to 5%. It went down to 5%. Mm -hmm. He tried to make it clean in the West. And he went back to England and they were furious. They said that uh, if God, uh, if we were not meant to feel pain, God wouldn't have invented it. Five years later, the, a corporation launches what they then called Ether. And then they said this is an exception to, to exception to God's plan because ether too uh, takes away pain, right? Mm. But they would rather have something specific like that to take away the pain and the suggestion. Yeah. So uh, and 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 we now now it's crazy, right? With the multinational pharmacy yeah. corporations. But the thing is, without this suggestion. The doctor would fail too in most cases. This is a huge component in all sorts of health mm -hmm. interventions. And uh, without it, they, they can operate you. They can work day or night on you, but you would die on the operation table. You won't even survive the medicine, anything. It's always a part of the healing system. Oh, yeah. It's also a part of... Uh, so, so healing, if there was such a thing as healing, it's a bad thing because it means you have to come to me yeah, and yeah. I fix you mm -hmm. and you become addicted to having, no. Uh, a real healer should trigger your ability to heal yourself. Yeah, yeah. That's that's healing. And and that's how I, th this is why I'm against advices. This is just my opinion. I'm not yeah, forcing yeah. anyone to adopt I, this I just... attitude. But this, ah, oh, you have to fix your third chakra and you I, this chakra stuff is bullshit anyway. It's really the glands in the body. I, that, I got, um, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. I got a couple of, I'm so, because, uh, let me just tell you, um, because he, and uh, he, 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 he said, you have mercury amalgams, right? 
So we spoke about that. He gave me the the number for a biological dentist and stuff like that. And then he was doing other tests. And he said, but you have another metal in your in your mouth. And it took me like two, three minutes to actually remember that a couple, a few months, two, three months ago, I got implants. I had completely forgotten. So I thought that he got the bolts and plates in my ankle where I broke my leg. I thought that's what wow. he was picking up. So I was like, how in the hell did this guy know that I have a second? Like, So he was very adamant. He wasn't like, do you feel like you have? No, he was like, but you have another metal in you. So this is where it blew my mind. And yes, a lot of these things you can learn to read people over the decades and stuff like that. But anyway, I he got too many things right. He, another thing, just to, before I show you the books, he, mm. he also said where we live, there are underwater currents. And the energy mm. of water moving under you, it, it, it's the quality is that it takes energy away. The, the flowing current of the water, it's like a, it's and it's in this book here that I, I bought about bioresonance, according to a guy called um, uh, Paul Schmidt. It's from Professor Dietmar Heims. So it's a, it's a pretty thick book, and they, they cover all kinds of things like energizing water, acid base balance, geopathic stress, electrosmog, uh, energizing frequency carriers, like a lot of li uh, organ tests and stuff like that. And then there's another one here, bioresonance, a new uh, Jürgen Henneke, yeah. uh, naturopath, scientific principles and pra practical experience. So haven't dug into it much, but what this guy said is the water underneath the again where, where we live it has that quality of taking energy away so that if you can think of a geopathic stress could be you could be on a fault line you could be like somewhere with a lot of you know emfs like power lines so there's various kinds of i guess geopathic stress that you, you could sort of think about but um the place where we live is called uh part of the name includes well wells so there's definitely water because we there's a river nearby or like a canal where you know we live near the sea side or the ocean. So he got too many uh, things right, you know, which is why I got super intrigued. And you know, maybe one day I'm gonna go talk to the guy and um, uh, see if I can study with him for a week and like just kind of. But, learn but he, he should he should have given you specific uh, suggestions rather than these flowery generalities so, about so, fixing a chakra chakra is just a model but if he gives you a specific task that's different so he did give us uh, hang on. As, as for this water thing it's completely true it's an old insight it's nothing yeah. new yeah, yeah, they've yeah. worked with this for thousands of years i fully agree with him and i wouldn't say it takes away your energy what i would say is that water we use it, you know, here in my country, we use, we use water to convert to electricity, right? Mm -hmm. So water is, is, is electricity, is power. Yeah. And um, the currents, they generate a, a field of vibrations. And that field may work either uh, as a dissonance or neutral or as a resonance, like harmoniously. Mm. So, so yes, it can... It can Yes, it can interfere and create health troubles and make could you it, fatigued. Could it be because my wife is a water sign and I'm a fire sign that it's dissonance because she's water, water, and I'm fire, and it's maybe it's cooling me down <laughs> while I'm sleeping or so? Could it be that? I don't know. I mean, it will cool down water people too. Um, it, okay. But... Uh, 
uh, no, no, I, I, I totally support this idea of, uh, uh, you know, cleaning the vibration field. There's yeah. also something called radio, no, radio, no, radio, yes. nicks. There's a lot of different pollution, uh, energetic pollution things. But you know, for modern man, <laughs> if you if you if we, we, we're going to have these concerns, and we probably can talk a little about it when I interview you too. You should be more concerned with how much Wi-Fi is in the area, how much yeah, yeah. Uh, mobile, because we have now uh, filling these vibrate frequency layers with artificial mm. noise. Yes. And just because you can hear the noise doesn't mean it's not there. Uh, the ears may not pick it yeah, up, yeah. but the rest of your organism picks it up. So I, for example, in, in this uh, house here, everything is wired. Mm -hmm. Cables every, everywhere. There's no yeah, yeah. wireless. Oh, same here. I, I'm the same. Yeah. I got only, uh, even when guests come, they're like, can you turn the Wi-Fi on? I'm like, do I really have to? My kid's right here. Do, do you need the internet that much? You came to visit me. You want to? <laughs> oh, no, no but I, I offer them a line. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. I, I, Plug I, in I, here. I offer them a line after yeah. I have to rip them a little bit, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so, sorry, just a couple of more things. I definitely agree on the topic of homeopathy, I I totally agree with you that um, I respect it, but I don't understand well. But what I don't like about it is homeopathy, again, looks at a symptom and then it provides something for a symptom, which is allopathy, which is what the, the dominant medical paradigm, which we know is wrong, uh, does. What, what a true... Um, uh, practitioner should do you're exactly right is should create an environment for the natural healer the vital force inside one to effect that healing and uh, usually again it's just removing the obstacles to health so I totally agree with you on that point um, but what this guy recommended for the water thing it, maybe maybe this you might uh, think is not crazy um, he recommended putting a quartz crystal in a glass of water under the bed with a little piece of paper that he gave us that says neutralize. And he said that the the quartz crystal will sort of take that energy and put it in the, um, um, uh, what you call it, in the water around it. And we just, the water will store it and we just change it every couple of weeks. What do you, is that crazy woo woo shit or what do you think? I mean, uh, yeah, it's woo, but <laughs> woo just means it's not completely understood by, I mean, it may, may still adhere to principles of reality, yeah. which eventually may be mapped scientifically. Mm. Uh, for example, um, quartz crystal. We know that crystals are the most powerful conductors i mean we use it uh, we couldn't have this conversation without those crystals right yeah, it's yeah, in your yeah. computers everything yeah, yeah. so so who's to say i'm not an adept on these uh, matters but i'm completely open for and then you have the research of dr emoto right mm -hmm. that intention influence mm -hmm. water we are 80 percent water obviously we are influenced by water obviously it can influence us who uh, and, and the power of intention that's fire, you know, fire. Mm. So, yeah, um, I, I'm not going to dismiss this, um, what we would call like old wife's remedy <laughs> that he gave, gave you, right? It's just very hard to, the problem with it isn't that it's voo. The mm. problem with it is that 
it it's like it can't be used you know in 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 the health matters we are used to in the modern life is that we want one size fits all we want an objective solution that everyone takes and it has the same effect but even there it never does because the environment is different for everyone right so we can take the same medicine and it can have different manifestations due to sure all right so sure, sure. but this thing is even more esoteric again is even less applicable for all so it's very hard to verify and as soon as something is hard to verify then they come in and say oh it's open for con man and swindle and but it doesn't mean it's swindle it's just that yeah. it's easier because anyone could just say anything right yeah and because of that we also... so but it's a trust thing right if 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 you think that guy is genuine if he has a good track record uh anecdotally speaking what can it hurt we also have the placebo uh, effect that could play a big role as well suggestion yeah uh the natural immune system it will play a big role if oh, yeah. if you already respect the dude oh yeah and what you kind of you almost preempted what we we should be better at this but sometimes you forget things we had a baby so we uh sometimes you forget things but i took my emf meter bro and went around my where my wife puts her pillow i measured a very strong signal and the freaking uh lamp that was there that wire was creating a field that's exactly where her head was so i unplugged oh. the lamp a day later after we saw him the first night the first day she she didn't sleep too amazingly she had like almost a cleaning re- cleansing reaction i also kind of didn't feel amazing but i i unplugged that lamp and she slept well almost every night since then so was it the lamp that i unplugged was it the homeopathy was it the crystals was it the placebo was it the guy's intention because another thing is in natural medicine is the intention of the doctor if you don't give a shit about like you know yeah. if you don't give a shit about your clients or your patients they will feel that you know they won't they might not even feel the placebo effect yeah yeah, yeah. i i swear to uh, ancient greek medicine but um it's natural medicine but uh, you know we're all a sum of everything right so you can take one component to fix it and it can improve but there's probably room for more improvement sure. in general what you interfered with there is what's called dirty electricity yeah yeah and uh, the more gizmos we have so called smart mm-hmm. uh, gizmos the more it generates um i forgot the scientific term but the common term yes. is dirty electricity yeah. so yeah in in general we should try to reduce all the causes for dirty electricity in the house yeah. and in the summer what i do in the night i just switch off the main um what's it the, called in english the, the breaker sir, the circuit breaker yeah the sir, yeah, yeah the main circuit breaker so mm-hmm. there's not physical electricity swarming around at least not in those rooms mm. i don't of of course we have to have the freezer on and other yeah, stuff yeah. right but but uh, yeah so in general you can do those things too to improve uh, i can't do that in winter then <laughs> we die <laughs> bro that's a very good idea like uh, folks listening do this if you can i i can't because if i turn off one they all they all turn off so in my house particularly i can but most people should be able to at least turn the bedroom one off at night i yeah. think 
that is brilliant and under adjacent room if, if possible. possible yeah yeah, yeah. because it's it's about the, or put your bed um as far away from wires mm -hmm. as Wall. possible that's one another trick is to change the direction of the bed you probably know about that too right because in um, we, we we it's not universal but we sleep better with the head in one direction than another is it depending... facing north or is it it's, 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 not, it's not universal because there may be local factors like the water currents sure. influencing so my general uh, advice is always just try uh, sleeping a week with the head in one position then in the next then in the third then in the fourth awesome. and you will find out if you have that luxury to choose all four interesting and what do you think is it because we're I suppose we run on EMFs to an extent we have an energy field we have sort of an electromagnetic field could it could that be a factor is that is that why sleeping in one direction is is better for sleep it's so many things uh, they talk about ley lines you know the the natural currents earth currents uh, and and magnetism natural magnetism yeah. it may be the schumann resonance influences us it may be even uh, uh, cosmic rays and stuff like that it may be geometry um, the resonance between uh, there's so many things influencing yeah. us everything is energy right everything mm -hmm. is just pure energy now coincidentally we can make shape and sh colors and sounds out of certain frequencies that's why you see this appearance of this figure that you um, that impress itself upon your consciousness that gives you an idea of an identity of me at vice versa. But in total, if we really saw things as they were, it would just be extremely many um, frequencies. So yeah, everything is electromagnetic. It depends on if you want to limit it or if it's a free range, then yeah, everything is electromagnetism. Mm. And, uh, uh, but we're not really running on it. We are radiating it. Mm -hmm. uh, we, you know, in the the ancients said that uh, everything is uh, created by. They talked about creational rays, so you have one ray emanating in one direction, which is uh, uh, we can call it the course for the atomic energy, creating substance, what we perceive as substance. Then you have another ray, uh, the life force ray, that. Uh, animates everything you know when certain atomic bindings are optimal life manifests automatically mm -hmm. if they're suboptimal if they're in dissonance either no life manifests or, ver or worse yet life goes out like if you chop off your head then we are interfering with the substance of your atomic energies so or life mm. disappears from there but between those two there's a third ray the ray of psyche where the consciousness manifests. So the consciousness, so first you need a physical vehicle, which needs certain uh, en environments in that energy field. Then you need the life force to enter into that vehicle, like water into a, a cup. Mm -hmm. And then when that is optimal, mm -hmm. then the psyche can manifest, can use those two vehicles as a, a tool to manifest in. Mm -hmm. 
So, so yeah, my uh, answer to that is yes, absolutely. But uh, of course, as human beings, we're just a part of the totality. So it's very hard for a part to understand the whole, right? Mm -hmm. If I was a small little uh, bacteria living or, or something even smaller inside my little finger, then I would try to think I could decode the entire organism, the entire existence. Yeah. Well, one thing saves us. And that is that the universe is designed upon the principle of holographics. And that saves us because that means as above, so below. It means that the whole is always repeated in every, it's like fractals. You can zoom mm -hmm. in on one bit and it's the same principles repeating again and again. And because of that, we can map the local environment, whatever we work with here, psychologically, physically. Uh, it can be in terms of, uh, yeah, we can work with energy with systems, like astrology is an example of that. And then when we map the rules and principles in that small sample of the totality, then we can try by way of analogy to decode how it manifests in the macrocosmos. So you can study microcosmos and you can understand macrocosmos. It's the mirroring, right? Mm, that saves that. us. If it wasn't for that, things would be so complicated. We would be lost, man. We would yeah, man. Bro, I love that. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful sort of depiction of the concept. In fact, I had a question that kind of relates to this I wanted to ask you. Now, I, I think it was... Um, I think it was maybe when you were talking to Anthony Pico, but I, I think you've actually mentioned it multiple times where that I've listened to you is um, you say that the best way to control people is not through coercion or uh, bribery so, or I've said it know, many times. That's yeah, true. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you say that the best and not even fear, but the best way to control people is to make them. Uh, to take away their memory, make them forget who they are, what they are. So, with that, and we look, we don't, we're not here, you or me or the people listening here, we're not children. We know there's a lot of messed up stuff in terms of the falsification of history, what science and the. I mean, you don't even know that, you don't even need that. You, just dementia itself. That's my big fear. Yeah. Dementia. Oh my God, man. Yeah. So, but I guess my, my, my question is, so we know that they're, they're trying to falsify history and um, uh, make us think what the nature of reality is, you know, materialistic and bullshit like that. But um, could then the antidote or the way to protect ourselves from that is to go inward in our own mind and use meditation to, you know, understand the the mind. And maybe that will be a way to, I guess... The uh, understand our, our true nature, the nature of our reality, instead of looking for at history books that are falsified and other materialistic nonsense. What do you think of that? Uh, yeah, there is this belief that uh, the answer, you know, all ancient cultures were um, honoring the ancestors. We've lost that now. Now we put the ancestors on our home. And we we have no idea where we come from. Yeah. But um, there is this idea that you can unlock memory in your genes, in your cells, or in in the collective unconscious, mm. right? Jung talked about 
uh, how uh, in his foreword to the Tibetan Book of the Death, he talked about how there is a veil, a natural veil, and that veil is there to protect us. Because if that veil was gone, we would be overwhelmed with impulses from the collective unconscious. But they are, the idea is that we can tap into, uh, and this is what many people do when they like remember past lives. But I always question that because there's no saying these are your lives. You mm. experience them from the subjective vantage point, right? So you identify but that's because you need to, unless you're seeing it at a, at a third person perspective as a movie. So if you see it from, uh, but how do you know this was yours? You kind of tapped into someone else's experience. So there's a lot of philosophical problems around that. But yeah, people get all sorts of experiences of former lives. And many times these things check out. Mm. Uh, research into reincarnation etc has shown that a remarkable details yeah, that yeah. is beyond coincidences yeah, yeah. Uh, random coincidences but then again you can have experiences with you know other worlds other planets other other you know there's no say things that can't be verified and the imagination is pretty powerful so how do we know that we are just we are not just composing it all it's very hard questions to to really know for sure um maybe 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 we only have one life on earth uh, maybe 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 we reincarnate backwards in time maybe we reincarnate on other planets other dimensions Notwithstanding, uh, can we be other organisms than than people? There are those who believe that. Mm -hmm. What if we all are the same person, quote unquote? What yeah. if eventually I'm going to reincarnate as you, and eventually you are going to reincarnate as me? Then we all come truly, because if we all come from the one source, only on certain levels would identification be real, distinctions. The higher up you go, the more they to blend. And then you get the collective human soul. And this is scary for many. It's as scary as if there was no reincarnation because it means the death of the ego. Mm. And that is the problem, right? That is the reason, that is the true reason for fear of death mm. is the dissolution of the ego because the ego knows it's not getting out of here alive. That's why the ego has to either sedate you, never think about death, or it has to uh, maybe fear uh, put you into some wacko religion or you know some some kind of uh, distraction or not distraction. Sutteklut, we say in Norwegian, like the ch child needs something. <laughs> you know, uh, what's the English word? You know, oh, pacifier. Yeah, like a pacifier, dummy, yeah. uh, or it needs, uh, yeah, so avoid death, or or like the elites, right? Oh, find find a remedy for me to live forever, yeah, uh, which I have now, uh, and uh, so uh, yeah, anything to avoid the only democratic, fair rule of this game, which is death, coming so for us all. Uh, I actually wanted to ask you, like. Do you fear death? I fear a uh, painful death. 
and I fear dementia, death by dementia. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not here when I die. Uh, I also fear um, uh, dying with regrets because everybody I talk with who works with dying people say that's the thing. Oh, call that person from 1943. I want to make amends, etc. If I could have an optimal death, like I was laying in bed, I was not in pain, and I was like... No, almost nobody dies by old age anymore. Yeah, yeah. Which old age, which by the way, only means um, that the preordained number of heartbeats has come to its end. Uh, then I wouldn't fear it as much. I would probably be uh, happy, like uh, with the life I had, and feel that it was time to move on. And I had my loved ones around me, etc. There are. It's a. It's a. I'm going to interview a, a woman who works with. Um, a new discipline. It's an old discipline, but it's a new in the public world. I forgot the word. It's something like tantonology or something. It's about how to create optimal death Mm. environments for patients. But um, there is this esoteric idea. I can't say this is scientifically correct, but there is this esoteric idea that every person is born with a specific number of of heartbeats Mm. now obviously those are related to your breath because the more you meditate and the deeper you breathe real breath and slow breath the more you squeeze out of your heartbeats the more the heartbeats go down right maybe that's why they say people who meditate always look younger right Mm. so there is this idea that you have a number and not just that you have a preordained number of heartbeats but that that number is never the same. No two person has the same number. And there's even this third layer of this idea, and that is that that number is your frequency number. Wow. Yeah. So it will be the number of your soul. Wow. Damn. That is... And that would be powerful if someone knew. And because uh, you have in the myths, for example, Isis... How did Isis become divine? She was really a kind of a witch woman. She entrapped, she ensnared Ra. She studied his, every day he came to earth and he went through the valley and, and, and went back to the other world, Ra, the sun god. And she was the most adept uh, wizard or witch in, in, in the ancient kingdom. And she designed, she found his, his flaw, his weakness in uh, through the python a snake and he bit like his Achilles heel and oh, I'm dying uh, help me I, I have a remedy here yeah yeah give it to me no only if you tell me your true name because if you know someone's true name you get power over them uh, the same if you know your own name you get power over yourself and that name should be understood as in the lost word of the Freemasons the lost word of creation uh, it's related to the Um of the Buddhists. It's in the beginning was the word and the word was God, was with God and the word was God or Logos more correctly. And so he, he gave her a bullshit uh, name first and she uh, saw through it. Then he tried another trick and she saw through it. And eventually he said his true name. This is the rationale of all uh, magic too. 
that uh, the, the the real name we're talking about is the essence of something is the number of vibration is the because if you have the exact number of vibration you can for example transmute it right which is a raising of vibrations you can interfere with the vibration uh, this is also related to you know people using vibration ma machines all that stuff it's not enough to have an effect you have to know is this going to be optimal is it going to be positive neutral or negative and then you have to create a field of two crossing races. Anyway, I'm rambling. That's another debate. So eventually he said his true name and she got the power of Ra and then she became divine mm. and a goddess. So this is a very interesting story because in that symbolism hides many, many universal truths that's very applicable. Uh, not when you use the uh, technological mind, but when you use the magical consciousness or the mythical consciousness. Can you, Maybe not so much the archaic consciousness. Can you? Yeah, because I think a, like, like a lot of people, we listen, we, we can listen to that story and just analyze, analyze the crap out of it. But can you can you give us a glimpse of what it what it, when you talk about this uh, magical? You mean translated to to technical? Uh, no, 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 no. Quite the opposite. How? Ah. What? What? What is this um, magical consciousness like? What? What are the its qualities, or how would you describe yeah, it? Yeah, it's just a model. It's not important what we call it. I use. I I really use the term earth, water, uh, fire, air. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyone who wants to, uh, you can just Google it. Sean Gepser is the name of uh, that guy who launched that model. Uh, it's mm -hmm. closely related to the Myers-Briggs, which is taken from Jung. Jung's model, of course, is taken from the model I'm working with, Earth, Fire, uh, the classical model, model. So it doesn't matter what model people use. Just understand that everything is categorized in this world. Because when things have different frequency numbers, it naturally belongs to diff let me put it like this a piano a piano has 12 notes right 12 archetypes 12 signs of the subject mm -hmm. now seven of them are important that's the that's the principle of vibration everything that vibrates repeats itself that's why it's called an octave because oct is the eight so it goes from do and it, do re mi fa sol la si Door. Door. a new door right so that's a that's the eight come eight it starts over again then you can put in the five half tones in between right like in the rainbow uh, like in everything that uh, vibrates so the idea here is that if something vibrates it has to belong to one of the archetypes like i said it's 12 all together when you include the half tones and these 12 can be categorized into four Right, and I call these four. It's not important what you call them. What's in our name? Yeah. Any rose by any other name would smell just as sweet, right? But mm -hmm. I'm used to the classical terms, uh, water, air, etc. So uh, when something vibrates, it's already a category of something because we know there's a difference between door and rare. We can see it in the colors. Colors are also vibrations that are at the end uh, of the day, interpreted in our consciousness, right? That's two different. And then we can hear it with the words. 
do re. So, so there's a difference. Mm-hmm. And that difference is a quality difference and it's a quantity difference. And that means automatically a category. And um, so what was the question again? Um, uh, so when it comes to consciousness, just, it's the, the same the, there. The mythical or the, the magical yeah. mind, what is that? How, how do we So the archaic describe? mind is the oldest mind. That's the mind that we used uh, like in the Stone Age kind of uh, setting. The, the mythical mind is what was dominating um, in the times when the myths were alive. The magical, you know, in, in, in uh, fiction literature, there are, especially in South America, there is a very popular uh, category, a ter- uh, 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 what you call it, a uh, style of writing that they call magical realism. Mm. But, and that's popular because, you know, we all have these four categories. But if you take two categories and combine them successfully, people can relate to it and it appeals. So they take, let's take uh, um, Salvador Allende, no, not um, What's this? Uh, House of the Spirits, uh, that uh, novel. So there you have, uh, or, or you can take that movie called uh, uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Again, magical realism. And on one hand, you have the revolutionary or the fascist troops. There's war. There's, you know, they're fighting for a better mental society. It's very brutal. It's very ugly. It's very real, right? And then in the middle of that comes something crazy like, the par- have you seen the movie? No. no, I think it's a Portuguese director actually, Pan's uh, Labyrinth. But House of the Spirits too. Um, it's about the coup in, in in Chile. So you have that realism, and then you have the magical component, and it appeals to both types of people because they are playing on two different consciousness categories. And if you polarized in realism. And you're suckered in through the realism because you like that. You're mm. you're a, you can understand that. And now you respect this great piece of art or literature, whatever it is. Then you become open to the other part yeah. that they sneak in there, the magical part. And then it lures something sleeping deep within you out. So you get the feeling of ah. Oh, there's something this this moves me i can't explain mm. it you know music does the same right <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or it's opposite you may you may be like uh, completely with your nose in the clouds and you love that magical component but because of that you like this movie or whatever it is and yeah. so now you also are engaged in the realism part so you see things can be communicated in in different levels in different types uh, and 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 some can even double communicate like that style does. So it's nothing think... more and it's nothing less than that. Mm. But we all have it in us. So I can explain a story mythologically. I can I can do it by uh, analogy by metaphor, right? I can explain this story magically. I I I can I can uh, say as uh, something that uh, like someone who lives in a tribe uh, who believes in superstition as they call it <laughs> would understand or i can explain it in modern terms but it's maybe the same truth and 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 people today li- do the mistake of thinking that facts are truths mm-hmm. and like one of my guests said i think it was peter lavenda i forgot who but it's brilliant he said that there may be more truths in a piece of fiction than in a factoid Right. 
you understand yeah. that immediately yeah. right yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can i can write a story and everything in this story is based on re reality it's, it's truths i'm spewing out uh, or i can write a piece of an article for for washington post and everything is nonsense nonsense but it's factual quote yeah. unquote so and so fact so, checked <laughs> Fact-checked, we mean fact-spinned, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't see any reason to spend a lot of time explaining this. It's, I yeah, don't think yeah, it's okay. very deep. I get you. It's like yeah. um, guys like Rudyard Kipling and stuff like that back in the day, um, or, or even George Orwell. They wrote these books about the the, you know, the times. And without getting in trouble because they're writing just they're writing a story, you know. Or guys like um, Tolkien, J.R. Tolkien, he's talking about all this crazy magical fairy shit. But like I, I've listened to some guys that say, you know, maybe that that dude wasn't just a, a fantasy writer. He was a little bit of a historian, you know. There's oh, he was of... more. He was a linguist and anthropologist. Haven't yeah. you noticed? Haven't you? He was influenced by the First World War. Haven't you noticed how close the orc language is to the Turkic languages? <laughs> That's no coincidence. Interesting. And uh, we in Scandinavia, we are very pissed because uh, he, the the director, used New Zealand has a similar nature. You know, Argentina, Norway, New Zealand, very mm. similar nature. Mm. Tolkien had in my Norwegian nature when he described these huge mountains and, and, <laughs> and fjords and everything, uh, but they used New Zealand. I think, um, they, yeah, they were, yeah, that's weird, isn't it? But st you don't have to go that far. Uh, yeah. Look at Star Wars. Star Wars is the empire, right? It's the American empire, but um, or any empire really. But uh, back then it was the American empire, the Vietnam War, all that. Um, completely forgotten now but he he used uh, joseph campbell as a consultant and campbell of course have uh, uh, deconstructed uh, the hero's journey right which is the archetypal elements you need in a good story storytelling mm -hmm. so there you are using partly mythical and partly magical uh, consciousness when you follow that script you have it in the fairy tales you have it in the everything so it's universal concepts yeah even even some fairy tales if you read rostana you know many fairy tales are even universal in that they have different names they have different uh, expressions but it's the same moral or essence mm. in them love that bro uh man listen i ha we have to have you back on bro because like uh, just epic epic stuff um yeah. we've been going for a while i like that you have long form we can get yeah. somewhere. Oh, listen, we, we we could have gone longer if not for my bladder is about to burst and <laughs> I have to go drive my our nanny home. But uh, I have one, one question that I ask near the end for um, um, my guests, just so we always make sure to end on a positive topic or a yep. positive spin. So yep. it's my for my solutions. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's for my solutions talk segment. So, Al, what are you doing that others can do also to increase their freedom, self-reliance, autonomy, and or resilience to the challenges that we face this decade and beyond? 
Oh my God, man. That's a show in itself, isn't it? Yeah. <sighs> okay, I'll pick out two. I'll pick out three elements, which I think are, are very important because they are so immediate. I think you have to begin with these three, maybe. One is economically. In this world where there's every man for himself, dog eat dog, um, you have to find some way to have some relative economic independence. You don't need to be rich. That's bullshit. But you need to, to if you don't have your head above water, if you don't have food in your belly and roof over your head, you, you're fucked, man. You forget about all these advanced things. Yeah. So you have to find a way just for that. And I, I, if you can afford it, I recommend uh, investing in bitcoins. Just buying bitcoins and have it there because the economy is about to collapse and uh, it's high time because it's so toxic anyway. And uh, hopefully yeah. the old elite will, will suffer through that. But it's a show in itself. We can't talk about that. But I have had shows about it. So if people want uh, yeah. to check them out, they can. So that's, that's one uh, remedy. Then it's... Um, there's so many layers to answer that in, right? Mm. Uh, freedom, independence, uh, health matters, obviously. Uh, so I would try to take my health into my own hands and uh, positive thinking uh, is a cliche, but it's true, but it has to be like a natural positive. It can't be like enforced. Affirmations, yeah, they may work, you know, look into the mirror and tell yourself something positive. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, it can be uh, like fake it till you make it thing, but you have to make it. That's the point. So, uh, and, and that's connected to other things again, primary needs like love and you, but you have to be able to express, you have to be able to express creativity. If you can create in your daily life, it will boost your health, it will boost your happiness, and it may even bring you money. So mm -hmm. uh, find a, a, an ex, um a tool for for expressing your creativity. I don't care what it is. It can be food recipes. It can be. It doesn't have to be like painting or music or uh, something like that. So or you have podcast. to be, or a podcast. <laughs> so you have to be able to or poetry. It doesn't matter. Find a way that you can express. You know, find out what what do you know. What do you burn for what's your passion you maybe a car mechanic what do i know building a car is creative right but you have to express creation if you go through life without creating you're, you're dead inside mm. uh, and uh, so i was thinking about that i was thinking about that and and, and then uh, spiritually you have to uh, cut out you have to stop consuming uh, as much mainstream sedation as possible because we don't live in a free society anymore. We live in a cult. And you have to uh, detach yourself from that cult. You have to be able to function within that cult. You can't walk around with a poster saying the end is nigh, right? Like some lunatic. Neither mm. should you walk around like some kind of... Uh, uh, warrior your conversion soldier oh you have to convert to this no go amidst them read the uh, read the golden verses of pythagoras or read the siderata that's shorter and more up to date 
both have the same message. So walk amongst them as you are uh, one of them. Never uh, attract too much attention, never attract too much envy, nor too much uh, uh, spite uh, in, in, in the extremes that tend to be uh, the biggest problems. So, and, and, and build yourself a circle of equal-minded people you trust. You only need a few good friends. You don't need like a battalion. And I, th I think you have uh, tools to, to get by pretty well if you could manage all that. <laughs> and if you Thank have you. all that, God damn it, you, you're lucky. Thank you, bro. That's, that's really well said, man. Thank you. And uh, finally, just tell the listeners where they can find your work, bro. Yeah, so it's a fellow podcast, Forum Borealis, but I, but I also have a YouTube channel. Uh, so you can find me on, on, on the video versions of my shows on YouTube, Odyssey and Rumble. And the audio version is on all podcast platforms, whatever you listen to. Uh, what about yours? Are you are you you have a video versions too, right? Um, I, I my video is on Zencaster.com, <clears throat> just because it's the easiest thing to do after recording on Zencaster. I can just publish the video. I have a Rumble, but I only have some videos on autism for now. But I, if, I I'll see how it goes. I will see how it goes for now. Oh man, you must be stoked about Robert Can uh, Fitzgerald Kennedy Jr. Huh? To be honest. I couldn't give a damn about politics. Like, look, I, I've donated to the Children's Health Defense, his organization. I like what they're doing. But it's like, uh, uh, who was it? Was it Lenin or was it um, someone else that said, when the people need a hero, we shall provide them one? It wasn't Lenin. It was, who wrote Morals and Dogma again? Morris uh, Albert Pike. Pike, yeah. I think he said that when the people need a hero, that we shall provide them one. You know. So for me, like these are these are not consequential things. You know, it's like it's like you take a little ant and you or, or you take a, a like a cup of water. You know, you have a massive fire in your house. You take a cup of water. Like this cup of water has really good intentions. Let let's uh, you know, work. Stop the fire, cup of water. I don't think it's. I don't think this stuff is consequential, to be honest. What do you think? No, I agree. We need systemic change, right? Yeah. Uh, but um, the problem is, whatever changes the system, whatever it is, if you have an obstacle in the central engine of the system where these people operate, then it's even worse. So we go down one of ours into the central engine, if it can be done, right? Uh, but somewhere like that, into the central engine. And then we also do all the other stuff we need to change the system, including raising the general consciousness. Then I think we're better off than if, you know, someone who gains from this faulty machine that is falling apart is the gatekeeper of of the engine. So, so if you if you donated to it. At least you like the man and, and the oh, work yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah. No, no, no. I like. I, I really. I even because I know they were look. They had something. They were looking for volunteers. I even sent them an email. Look, I can 
helped with writing articles and stuff on the topic of children's health, blah, blah, blah. Offered my services if I can. Uh, so <clears throat> I like what they do, man. We just need, yeah. we need more. It, it's, <clears throat> I, uh, you're right. Uh, you're right for saying that. It's just, just because someone isn't perfect doesn't mean now we have to shit on everything. For example, like people that only know statism, you you tell them about anarchy and they're like, yeah, but your thing doesn't solve all of our problems. Therefore, it's worthless yeah. to even try. No, it's it, whatever it is, wh uh, whoever, uh, or rather, whatever RFK does will be infinite better, if infinitely better than whatever other swamp creatures were going <laughs> to take his place. So uh, it's good. You're right. We have to we have to celebrate the little wins as well. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. Amen. This podcast was one of them. Yeah. And again, bro, listen, I, I I don't want to be pushy or anything, but you have to come back on again, bro. It's just I know people will love this. And um I just I know in inside your head is like the the Nile River, a, a massive current of knowledge that we just have to unleash on our listeners here. <laughs> Do we really? Have to. I, well, we just try. must. We must. <laughs> well, I have Anytime. to get better. I have to get Anytime. better with my analogies. I've yeah. tried to to work better on my analogies. <laughs> Will we visit the mountain next time? Yeah, dude. That that one I'll, I'll be pondering over. Meanwhile, I'll that. I'll have you on my show so your listeners can check that out too. We're going to discuss health, right? Yeah. Looking forward, Looking forward to, that, forward to that. All right. Thank okay. you so much, Al. Yeah.